the time. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 23 if you have them. If you don't, just be patient because I'll read it to you here in a moment. So when you get there, you're going to realize this is coming from a text that's usually preached one time a year around that of Easter. As I stood at Telequal and I knew the text that I would be preaching from, Jesse, it reminded me back in the days where I might be the third roper at the rodeo and it would take me back to the days where I knew I had the best calf in the herd drawed. I wouldn't be much worried about the three and before me. If you saw me, I'd be sitting with my head bowed and say, Lord, don't let me mess up fluffy bunny feet. I don't get the good one very often, so don't let me mess him up. And so as I stood there thinking about the days when I would pray, Lord, I've got a good one. Don't let me mess him up. I thought, you know, I'm preaching a text that we don't preach, but usually once a year around that of the Easter season. So I was praying during the song service at Telequal, Lord, don't let me mess this one up. Don't let me mess this one up. Because it's tucked away in the gospel according to St. Luke, and we often hear it preached around that of Easter. I want you to listen to what Luke chapter 23 beginning in verse 50 says. It says, Now, behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews who himself, listen to this, was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in the tomb that was honed out of the rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation day, And the Sabbath drew near, and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after. They observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. Listen to this. And they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandments. Now you're going to have to listen real close today to pick up what I'm going to try my best to put down. If you was to go in front of where I began to read, you're going to realize that Jesus had just died on the cross. And if you're here today and don't know it, I'm going to let you in. The reason He died is because He loved you. The reason He died is because we were sinners and we was in need of a Savior. And when I say this, I want to just tell you, let's look at Friday. That's Jesus' death. And before somebody comes up and begins to argue, did He have to die on this day or that day, I want you to all listen to me. Don't get hung up on those things. Because there's a couple of arguments to be made here. The Jewish calendar and our calendar is not the same. Where one day ends and another one begins, in our land it ain't the same as it is in their land. Do you understand that? The Bible says he was in the tomb three days and three nights. That's how long he was in the tomb, three days and three nights. But we also, and here's the here's the thing that I believe has happened here. See, we think of Sabbath just being on a Saturday. But there was also high Sabbaths, meaning there was other days that was Sabbaths. And I believe there was probably a high Sabbath and then the Sabbath Saturday that was right in a row, and that's how he was in the tomb three days and three nights. You can argue it, you can do that, but the bottom line is he died for us and for our sins. And so I want to point out that Friday that he died, 
But look here. I want to you to look at Joseph, and there's a mini-sermon right here with Joseph. This is Joseph of Arimathea. This is not Joseph, the daddy of Jesus. This is Joseph of Arimathea. And listen to what Luke says about him. He is a good... Let me back up. He's a council member. That means he's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a politician. You with me? And I don't know, this is almost like an oxymoron. He's a council member, but then it says he's good and just. I didn't know a politician could be good and just. But I want you to look at this. It says he did not consent with their decision and deed. What was their decision? What was their deed? They're the ones that said crucify Jesus. And in the political world, okay, here's our decision. Everybody cast their vote. And it's, it, it's uh, election year, and so you should be looking at your politicians and see how they voted on certain issues, right? Common sense stuff. Well, right here, Joseph, he said, I'm not voting. He did not vote when it come time to crucify Jesus. He said, I'm out. He did not consent on their decision and on their deed. Now get this, he's a part of the Sanhedrin. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the kingdom of God. Now if you look up, Joseph shows up in all four Gospels. If you look him up, I want you to listen. Matthew says he's a rich man. Most politicians are. He also says he's a disciple. Head scratcher. Remember the Sanhedrin? Disciple? Head scratcher. But then we read, and Mark says he's an honorable man. But then we get to John. John says, listen to this. He's a secret disciple. Head scratcher. Because this preacher's preached in Christianity, there is no secret servants. Getting awful quiet in here. But I'm not going to argue the Scriptures. And it says of Joseph, he is a disciple, a secret disciple, because if the Sanhedrin knew that he trusted in Jesus... If he was waiting for the kingdom, he's out of here. So he is a secret disciple. He's following and waiting for the kingdom of Jesus. But now Jesus dies, and I want you to look up here. Joseph comes out of the closet. You like that term? He comes out of the closet in a good way, not a bad way. You guys are a pretty tough crowd today. My wife, when she says sometimes I'm hot, I look at her and say in a good way or a bad way. You guys are really tough. So look at me. He comes out of the closet. He's been a secret disciple Jesus now dies, and that's when he steps out boldly and begs Pilate, I want his body. See, the custom of the Romans was to leave that body there for the vultures and the wild animals to thick the flesh off the bones. And Joseph, he had took it till he could. I can't be secret no more. I'm not going to let my Jesus... I'm not going to let the Son of God left on the cross for the vultures to eat the flesh off his bones. So here's this guy that's secretly been waiting for the kingdom of God, boldly now goes to Pilate, and he's got a guy with him. Who is it? Nicodemus. I would say Nicodemus has kind of been a secret follower. Because he come to Jesus by night. Do you know Nicodemus is the first man that Jesus said you must be born again? Did you know or ever think about Nicodemus is the first one to hear that God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that if you believe in Him you shall not perish? So here's these two guys that have been secretly 
shyly following Jesus, but now he's dead. And they're boldly going to Pilate and say, we want his body. Does that make you scratch your head? You want me to make you scratch it on the other side? They don't follow him boldly till he's dead. And those that had been following him boldly while he's alive, those disciples, can you tell me where they're at right now? They're nowhere to be found. See, look at me, church. Some of that stuff will make you scratch your head. Here's some guys that were secret following him when he's alive. Now he's dead, they're boldly following him. And then those that was boldly following him while he's alive, they're nowhere to be found. Maybe it don't make you scratch your head, but it did this guy. So what? what's the mini-sermon there? Look at me, listen to me. After Jesus dies, what do I see from Joseph? God stuff. God stuff. What I see secondly, good stuff. What I see thirdly, encouraging stuff. So I got a question for you. Why do we wait till somebody dies to hear God stuff? <laughs> I have preached numerous funerals here lately. And you never hear nothing about God in that person's life till they're dead. Why do we wait till somebody dies to hear the God stuff? And not only do we wait till they die to hear the God stuff, man, I never heard the good stuff I've heard about these people till they're dead. I'm thinking, why in the world are we waiting till they're dead to tell the God stuff and the good stuff? And man, if they was alive, how encouraged would they be to hear all that's said about them by their family and friends? But while they're alive, nobody ever said that kind of stuff to them. And here's what gets me. Don't you send me flowers. But we wait till they die to send flowers. If you want to get me something while I'm alive before I'm dead, pecans, honey, money. But after I preach this, I'm scared to death I'll get flowers. I don't want flowers. But would you think for me just a moment, why do we wait till somebody dies? If you're here today and your family don't know the God stuff about you, can I let you in on something? Tell them why you're alive. Tell them why they're alive. Look at the good in people. And don't wait till they die to tell it with the preacher and the family. Talk to them about the good stuff while they're alive. Don't tell about the encouraging stuff after they're laying in a casket. Encourage them now while they're alive. And somebody wants flowers. It's not me. But you send them some flowers while they're alive and they can join. That's just a simple sermon. That's Friday. That's the day Jesus died and kind of jumps out from Joseph what we could learn. Don't wait till, don't wait till they die for the God stuff and the good stuff and the encouraging stuff to come out. Right? Friday, Jesus died. Just a mini sermon on there. Don't wait till somebody dies to do the God stuff and the good stuff. But then we go to Saturday, and I've always wondered since I've got saved, Miss Bonnie, it can be after what we call Good Friday. Don't worry about the day he died, but we just call it Good Friday because he wasn't born on December 25th either. Sorry. But we celebrate Good Friday for his death. And I've always wondered since I got saved, I could be at a gas station, I could be in a restaurant on that Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Remember the old saying, Friday's, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming? But, but what about Saturday? And I've always wondered about the people in that day. I mean, the day after Jesus is crucified. Have you ever thought about that? It makes me wonder if the old boy that was blind, remember Jesus touched him? Several of them. We got the mud eyed, he put mud in some eyes. Spit eyed, he spit in some eyes. Touch eyed, he touched some eyes. That's where denominations come from. You didn't know that, did you? But look here. I wonder if on that Saturday they was trying to see all they could see because there was something beyond their understanding. The guy that gave me my sight, he's in the grave. I wonder if I'm going to be blind soon. Then you take that old boy that's crippled. He, he's out taking a little jog because he thinks he's going to be crippled again. 
The guy that touched me and made me, made me walk again, he's in the grave. Am I going to be crippled again? Makes me wonder if that leper didn't stand in front of a mirror and look at that smooth skin because he just knew the pussy sores was coming back because the guy that touched me and healed me, he's in the grave. You ever thought about that? Man, I want to hear all that I can hear because the guy that, that touched my ears and made him hear, he's in the grave. I, I, I'm going to be deaf again. But the one that probably gets me more than any of them is those that he cast demons out of. What a tormented and terrible life they must have had. And they had to wonder on that Saturday, is the demons coming back? Because the guy that told them they had to leave, he's in the grave. Oh, I hope not. Are they coming back? Have you ever thought about that Saturday? And the whole reason their thought process could have possibly been that way is, look at me and listen to me. What had just happened? Jesus had died. And what was going on was above their heads. Even though they were told, like you and I are told several things in the Scripture, it's beyond their understanding. Are you with me? That's what was happening Saturday. But these ladies give us a word. It says, but the women they followed and they observed. They got their fragrances. They got their spices already. But look right here. They rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. You know what them ladies said? It's above our heads. It's beyond our understanding. But here's what His Word says. You know, it would be pretty good of us to just when it's above our head and beyond our understanding right here. This is where we land. And then here comes Sunday. If you read beyond what I read, you know what you're going to find? They're headed to the tomb. You know what you're going to read in there? An angel come down and rolled the stone away, and he's sitting on it with his legs crossed like he's on a church pew. And what does he say to the ladies when they arrive? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. See, Sunday is what sets Christianity apart from any religion in the world. If you are a Christian, hear me out this morning, you don't have a religion, you've got a relationship with a resurrected Savior. That resurrection Sunday is what sets Christianity apart from every religion in the world. And somebody said, well, it'd be easy. We'll just start a religion like Christianity. Good. Go find you somebody, kill him, and on the third day when he comes back alive, let's get it. You are a tough crowd. Ain't happening. And so hear me out here this morning. When we look at those days, Friday, Jesus died. Saturday, these women rested on the Sabbath according to the commandments. And Sunday, He rose from the dead. Okay, He was sold for 40 days and 40 nights and then what happened? He ascended back to the right hand of the throne of God. He is there. He's alive. He is well. He intercedes. When we don't know what to ask the Father, He's praying for us. But then the Bible tells us that one day that eastern sky is going to split. When it does, there's going to be a shout. There's going to be the voice of an archangel. And there's going to be the trumpet of God. And Jesus is coming again. And He's bringing with Him my loved ones and your loved ones who's died in Christ. And He's going to come over the cemeteries. Those graves are going to be open. They're going to look like a bunch of plowed fields. And our loved ones' bodies are going to be reunited with their souls. And then we who are alive and remain is going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And there we will be forever. And the Bible says, comfort one another with these words. You're saying, where in the world are you going? Not sure, just go with me. Maybe if we could think symbolically. Think about the ascension being Friday. Think about the return when Jesus comes again 
as being Sunday. So what's that mean? Where are we living? On Saturday. We're living in the age of Saturday. Right? Symbolically think. Jesus ascended. That's, that's like the day he died. That, I, I know he's not dead, but that's Friday. And we know that he's coming again. We don't know what day, but let's just assume symbolically that's Sunday. You staying with me? So what does that mean? That means you and I are living in the age of Saturday. Meaning we're just like that blind guy. Is my, no, it is not coming back. We've got the whole story now. But it doesn't change the fact that us living in the age of Saturday, listen, there is stuff that is above our head beyond our understanding, right? See, I don't understand why a little boy dies of cancer and the whole time he's fighting cancer, his only desire is for the local fire department to be at his funeral, to be his casket bearers, and and that's all his desire is. Number one, I don't understand why he dies. And then when I'm walking into that funeral and I hear the pagers of the local fire department going off and I watch them run out of that church and get in them fire trucks and miss that little boy's funeral because they're fighting fires let me just tell you something that's above my head and that's beyond my understanding and it leaves me looking to the heavens saying come on God run there number one why did he die and number two why is the fireman having to leave he had one desire tells me we're living in the day of Saturday gets above our head gets beyond our understanding In case you didn't know it, we're living in the age of Saturday. That's where we're living. It's above our head. It's beyond our understanding. Let me just tell you something. The week I just had, let me tell you where I've been. I've been on my knees out in the middle of nowhere with people. I've walked into hospital rooms when I didn't know what I was going to say or what I was going to do. I met with a pastor who's fighting a battle and wondering what to do after a church split. I stood behind five caskets in about five weeks. And let me tell you something. That's above my head. Let me tell you, some of the stuff I'm having to face, it's beyond my understanding. And I just had to realize I'm living in the age of Saturday. And if I'm living in the age of Saturday, Saturday, what must I do? Go get some wisdom from the women. What did they do when it was above their heads? What did they do when it was beyond their understanding? Look at it. It says it right there. They rested on the Sabbath according to the commandments. When it's above your head beyond your understanding, right here is where you rest. So today, here's what I'm going to preach. I done titled it. It's on live stream. I'm sorry for I didn't have a better title. When the Pierce girls come and said the title, I said Friday, Saturday, Sunday. She looked at me and she said, do what? I said, you know, like days of the week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's the title? Best I can come up with. I'm still trying to get the message, man. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we're living in the age of Saturday. So as I had this experience these last several weeks, I thought about those ladies resting. Above their heads, beyond their understanding, they rested on the Sabbath as according to the commandments. And I thought, somebody sent me something, acronym, acrostic on the word rest. And you know what? I fiddled around, took me about 10 days, but I remembered who it was. I had preached a revival back in the fall, and when I got back home, he sent me a text, and it had the word rest, and it had letters off every one. That's an acronym, that's an acrostic, that's some fancy word. But I'm going to preach to you off of that man's outline. When he texted that to me, he had the word rest. And out from the side, 
he had something with the R, the E, the S, and the T. And beings, we're living in the day of Saturday, and we're living in a world where a whole bunch of people need rest, and they need to rest in the commandments. I think it's worthy of preaching. Are you ready for it? Say, I am. In the day of Saturday, they rested. When he sent me that text, it said, R, remember his goodness. You can't help but opening that Bible and seeing how good God is. And when you open that Bible, you're going to realize what makes our God so, so good is his mercy. He withholds from us what we deserve. Come on. There was a thief on the cross. He deserved an everlasting hell because the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. He deserved a place called hell. But he looked to Jesus and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did God do? He withheld something from him he deserved. He granted him mercy. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. When the, when the leaders come dragging a woman who was caught in the actual act of idolatry, the law said you stone her, you kill her. But what makes our God good is He said you that have no sin and there ain't one on the planet earth, you throw the first stone. And that's what sin deserved. But what did God do that day? He held from that woman what she deserved and He didn't stone her. He just simply said, Go and sin no more. Aren't you grateful that when you need some rest, you can look in that book and it reminds you and you can remember the goodness of God. And the first thing that makes Him good is His mercy. He withholds from you and me what we deserve. But then when I look in that book and I'm reminded of His goodness and the first thing I think of is mercy, thank God He withheld from me what I deserve, then I think about His grace. That's Him giving us something we don't deserve. And man, when I got to thinking about grace, you talk about a place of rest. We talk about that amazing grace. Come on, think about God's grace and how good it is. We are saved by grace... Through faith and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Grace is amazing because it saves us. And I want you to listen. The amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved what? A wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. His grace is amazing because it saves us. But He is good, He is a good God, and His grace extends farther than a saving grace. It extends to a sanctifying grace. See, Titus says, for the grace of God that appears to all men. It'll appear to all men. If you're here today and you're not saved, you'll have no excuse because God's grace will appear to all men. What's that grace do? It brings salvation. And after you accept that amazing grace, that amazing grace moves from a saving grace to a sanctifying grace. How do you get that, Rob? Because that same grace that brings salvation begins to teach us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, sanctifying grace, teaching us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Man, I'm reminded when I rest in the book, it's an amazing grace because it saves. It's an amazing grace because it sanctifies. Listen here. It was grace that taught my my heart to fear, but it's also grace that taught that my fears were relieved. Man, I don't have to be scared Because he's a forgiving God. He teaches me how to live. But look here. When I think about his grace, not only does it move from a saving grace to a sanctifying grace, have you ever thought about what Paul said? God, I've got a thorn. (laughs) Let me tell you where I've been the last two weeks with a bunch of people that the thorns have been deep. Deep. And I promise you, they're just like the Apostle Paul. They want it removed. And I wish, listen to me, oh, I so wish that some of them people, I could tell them God's going to remove this. But listen, the Scriptures tells us sometimes He don't remove the thorn. What does He do? 
He gives us a grace that is sufficient. That's what he told Paul. My grace is sufficient. And so when I look in there, when it's above my head, when it's beyond my understanding, I don't only thank him for a saving grace and a sanctifying grace. I love that I'm able to counsel people and say, he's got a sustaining grace. He might not change your thing, but he's going to grant you the grace to sustain you while you go through your thing. Is everybody staying with me? And thank God, his grace is a securing grace. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Grace has brought me safe this far. What's going to get me on farther? What's going to get me home? And grace will get me home. I sure am glad that it's not me hanging on to Jesus, but it's Jesus hanging on to me. Man, in this age of Saturday, when it's above my head and beyond my understanding, and I rem- when I rest in the Scriptures, I'm reminded about the goodness of God. I'm reminded of His mercy. I'm reminded of His grace. And man, that helps me get through what's above my head and beyond my understanding. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. So in this text, it said, Remember His goodness. But then we went to the, then we went to the E. And his text said, express your neediness. Now let me just tell you, back in the fall, I hadn't been with all these people. I ain't been in the hospital with depression and oppression. I hadn't been preaching that many funerals. And when I read that E, Miss Georgia, it said, express your neediness. Man, I amened it. I said, yeah, let all them high-maintenance church members express their neediness to you and not me. I like low-maintenance Christians. Man, I amen it. Express your neediness to Him. Show you how short I come. I said, God, I'm not very needy. And thank you that I'm not very needy. Well, let me just tell you what I've learned. There are seasons in my life where not as needy as other seasons in our life. These last four or five weeks... I've kind of had to eat some crocheting. I've had to come to God and say, I need you. This one's above me. I don't understand this one. Trey was one of the ones that was trying to counsel with one of the people, and he called me after being flat of his face, praying with him, crying with him, and hugging him. And my oldest boy called me, and he was in tears. He said, I can't wrap my mind around what's happening to him. A family friend. And I said, and I can't either. See, we're in the age of Saturday. Sometimes it's above us. Sometimes it's beyond our understanding. And once you look at me, listen to me. And it's that season of life you realize I need you, Lord. I don't know what to say. I mean, you get ready to walk in one of them doors. You get ready to walk in there where death has took a child. You get ready to walk in there, and let me tell you, you may not think you're needy. And right before you grab that door, I'm going to tell you what you realize. I can't do this. I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what to say to them. I don't want, Lord, I need you. <laughs> and just when you think you're not needy is when you'll realize a season will come in your life when you need Him. I need Thee every hour. Oh, Lord, I need Thee. And I am so glad that I don't have to be anxious when that season comes. See, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know what that verse just told us? Express your neediness. You've got a God who don't want you to be anxious. He wants to take you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. If the Lord is your shepherd, and I hope He is, I want you to consider Psalms 23. I did this week. Lord, it's pretty tough down here. I need some rest. He said, not a problem. I'll make you to lie down in the green pastures. You who labor and are heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Oh, Lord, thank you for the rest, but I don't have much peace about where I'm fixing to walk into. Not a problem. I'll lead you beside the still waters. 
I'll grant you peace. Whose mind is stayed upon me, I will grant you peace. Just keep your mind focused not on them. Keep it on me and I'll give you peace. Well, Lord, I know I said I wasn't very needy a few months ago, but listen, I'm needing that rest and I'm glad you'll leave me beside the, or you'll make me lie down in green pastures. And I, I know I said I wasn't very needy, but I sure thank you that you're leading me beside the still waters and you're giving me that peace that surpasses all understanding. But Lord, could you forgive me for thinking I didn't need you? Well, that's why I'm going to restore your soul. I mean, it's all right there in Psalms 23. I'm so thankful that when I realize that I need forgiveness and I thought I could do it on my own, I come to Him and He says, I'll give you some rest and I'll give you some peace. And you can say, by the way, I didn't think I need you. Well, it's all right. Just go ahead and confess it. That's what my Bible tells you to do. And I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And that guy that wasn't very needy, and he said, oh, yeah, by the way, Lord, I need some direction. This deal's above my head. That's not a problem, cowboy. I'll lead you in the path of righteousness for my name's sake. If you'll quit leaning on your own understanding and acknowledge me in all your ways, I will direct your path. Oh, Lord, this is from that guy that didn't need you a few months ago. Thank you for the rest. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you so much for the direction. But I'm needing a companion. I don't want to walk in there alone. Yea, though you walk through the valley of shadow of death. Feels like death, don't it, cowboy? It sure does. You don't have to fear any evil. For I'm with you. Don't forget, preacher boy. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That room and that house you don't want to walk into, guess who's going with you? Jesus is. Huh? Lord, I'm very uncomfortable. I need some comfort. Well, no problem. My rod and staff, they'll meet that need. They'll comfort you. That's the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. One more thing from this guy that said he wasn't very needy. Lord, I'm fixing to walk in a room that's full of solemn and darkness and depression. I'm scared to death. I probably need to walk in there with some joy. Not a problem. I'll anoint your head with oil. I'll let your cup run over. I'm going to tell you, when I first got that text, Brother James, I didn't think I was needy. But there was a season, and I'm in it right now. I'm trying to minister to people. My life's good, but those around me seems to be falling apart. And I want you to listen to me. That's when I realized how much I need Him. So when I got that express your neediness, I didn't think that was good, and I wanted to preach that. You guys don't be so needy. And then He brings a season in my life where I know I need Him. Every hour I need Him. Remember His goodness. That's what you do on the Saturday, the age of Saturday when it's above our head, beyond our understanding. You express your neediness. That's what you do in the age of Saturday when it's above your head, beyond your understanding. But what about the S? That text said, seek his stillness. I think that's what the psalmist was saying when he said, be still. Sometimes we get to going fast. Sometimes we wonder where we're going, what we're doing. And the psalmist reminds us, slow down, be still, and know that I'm God. See, we're so guilty of going to fix everything by ourselves. We're so guilty, and sometimes it's in the times of, of like these that we just need to seek the voice and the stillness of God. Trenton's doing a great job with Kingdom Fit for Men. Way better job than his daddy's doing with 12 and 24. To tell you how much better he's doing, I got 14 and 24 because I can't talk. Called him a baker's dozen for a month. Realized there's 14. Now that the baker's dozen, dozen. But I want you to listen to me. He's doing a great job and I loved the devotion this week. And, and he used the scripture in John... Sheep knows the shepherd's voice, right? 
And he says, as a player on the court, on the field, you fight a battle of a lot of voices. Ever thought about that as an athlete? You got the fans. You got the parents. You got the opposers, the, the opposing team. You've got friends and family. While you're on the court, you're hearing all these voices, even teammates. But the voice we're to listen to, to be most successful is who's The coach. But he expressed in his devotion, it's sometimes hard to hear the right voice because of all the other voices. You with me? Is that not how it is in the game of life? Man, we got so many voices. They're talking, they're telling us how to fix this, how to fix that, telling you what you do. And he just put in there, we have to deal, as we're going through life, we have to deal with the voice of the world. Man, the world's loud and telling you how you ought to live, aren't they? He, he shared with us, we have to deal with the, with the voice of the devil. You know, he don't always scream, he can whisper. That's how you got Adam and Eve. Come in, went to talking to them. We got the voice of the flesh screaming, if it feels good, looks good, do, that, do it. It's okay. Everybody else is. Well, let me tell you, there's one voice that can make you successful. And that's the voice of God. I can remember in my life when I was called to come and be the interim at Southeast Baptist. I can remember just after a service or two, the, the search committee, their voice began to ring loud. You're the man, you're the man, you're the man. Voices of people who would hear me preach. You're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a preacher. Director of mission and other pastors, don't take that church. They will chew you up and spit you out. You're young. You've never pastored before. That's good brothers in Christ that was telling me, you don't want to be the pastor of that church. They'll chew you up and spit you out. Friends, family, brothers and sisters in Christ. But you know what my desire was when I was going through that? I really don't need to hear from the director of missions and other pastors. I really don't even need to know what my family thinks. I had to seek the stillness of God. It really don't mean what the search... It didn't matter to me what the search committee says, the director of mission says, my family says. I'm just here, God. There's lots of voices. And I need to hear yours. And until I heard His voice to tell me, you're the pastor, you're to take the church, I didn't need to make a move. Well, how, how relevant is that in our everyday life? We hear voices and voices and voices. And when it gets above your head and beyond your own understanding, let me tell you, you better go seek the stillness of God and you better hear that voice. And all God's people said, when we rest in His Scripture, it reminds us of His goodness. That's mercy and grace. It reminds us to express our neediness because He can meet every need. It reminds us to seek His stillness. His voice is the voice that we're to obey. But the T says, out beside that text, it said, trust His faithfulness. I would challenge you to Google or ask Shirley how many times the Bible speaks about how faithful God is, and you probably can't, you can't get them all read before you come back tonight. You are coming back tonight. Preaching through Psalms, and Psalm 17, 7 says, O oh, you, save those who trust in you. Do you realize God's faithful? And He saves those who trust in Him? I want you to think about that. Does it get above your head, or is, am I just preaching to myself? Does this age of Saturday get beyond your understanding, or am I just preaching to myself? 
And when it gets that way, here's what we got to do. I don't understand, God, but you're faithful, and I'm going to trust you. And all you have to do is go check his track record. The children of Israel, they'd come to the Red Sea. They had an Egyptian army behind them. What did a faithful God do? Go ahead. They crossed on dry ground. He drowned the Egyptian army behind them. Now watch this. They doubted his faithfulness. Oh, you brought us out here. You brought us across the Red Sea on dry ground. Now we're thirsty. We're going to die of thirst. Well, there's a water fountain right over there. They looked over and said, no, that's a rock. No, it's a water fountain. You are so tough today. He brought water out of a rock. And sure enough, they went over to the rock, and guess what it was? It was a water fountain. He was faithful. Oh, yeah, now we got a drink. Now we're going to starve to death out here. Well, I got some manna falling from the sky over there. No, that's rain. That's hail. No, that's manna. Thank you. He's faithful. He took care of them. Have you ever thought about the book of Daniel? You think it didn't get above their head and beyond their understanding when them men, young men of God, got carried off into Babylon? Is our world not so much like Babylon? If you doubt that, let me just tell you what happened in the book of Daniel. You ready? Their walk got challenged with the king's meat. Their witness got challenged with the king's dream. Their worship got challenged with the king's statue. Ever thought about the day and time you live in? Is your walk challenged by what the kings are saying is okay? Is your witness challenged by the philosophy and the dreams and the visions of this world? Is your worship challenged? I think it was during COVID. Shut the churches down. About to me, not them. But you know what those Hebrew boys done? They didn't weaken when their walk got challenged. We're not eating that. They didn't weaken when their witness got challenged. And they didn't weaken, they didn't bow when their worship got challenged. And you know what it cost them? They got thrown in the furnace. Oh Lord, you trust. You save those who trust you. He's faithful. He didn't deliver them from the fire. You know what he done? He just got in there with them. And he walked them through the fire. That was above their head. That was beyond their understanding. And let me remind you, three of them come out of the fire, didn't smell like smoke, wasn't a hair burn on their body. And let me remind you something. He's still in the fire. And why he's there is because some of you are in the fire. And you know what he's doing? He's walking you through it. Go ahead and check his track record. We whine and complain about him taking prayer out of school and prayer out of public places. Folks, that's on you. They can't make you quit praying. The problem is you're not praying at home. (laughs) It's not that you don't need to pray at school. And see, that was Daniel. You're not allowed to pray. But he had been praying before that decree was ever set, wasn't he? He was praying morning, noon, and night, as was his custom. You know what it cost him? You're going to the lion's den, boy. Whatever. But was God faithful? Hey, Grace, go down there if you don't care and just hold those lions' mouths shut till morning. And guess what? When the king showed up there, said Daniel. Not a piece of his body or flesh was torn. Huh? Gideon. I love the story of Gideon. I mean, the Midianites had oppressed the children of Israel, and Gideon was scared to death. He was a he was a scaredy cat. He was a wimp. He had a yellow streak about as wide as I've got when it comes to being a rough stock rider down his back. And I know that was the case because he was threshing grain in a wine press. He was hiding. He was scared. 
And can you imagine when that angel showed up in there and said, Hey, Gideon, great man of valor. (laughs) Great man of valor. Not me. I'm scared to death. Huh? He was talking to him. See, God don't see us for what we are. He sees us for what we can be. Gideon, if you'll trust me, you'll be just what I called you. A great man of valor. And I'm going to tell you, Gideon had a time with it. He put out fleece. He put out this. He rolled a biscuit down a hill. Come on, I mean, that story, that's why I love that story. But what did God do? What did a faithful God do? He used Gideon to get victory over the Midianites. When it gets above your head, when it goes beyond your understanding, and it will because we're living in the age of Saturday. That's where we live. Let me tell you something. You need to rest. Remember His goodness. Express your neediness. Seek His stillness. And trust His faithfulness. That ain't my outline, but I'm sure glad that old boy sent it to me. Because God knew there was a time that I didn't only need to preach it. I needed to apply it. Amen. I don't know where you're at today, but I bet you need some rest. Let's stand. Altars are open. The altars are open. You want to come and remember that mercy and that grace? Altars are open. Does somebody need to express their neediness today? I'm not talking about to me. I'm talking about to God. Somebody been hearing a lot of voices here lately? Be a good place to seek the stillness of God, His voice. Is there anybody here that needs to trust His faithfulness? Let me just tell you something, folks. He's faithful to save. If you're here today and you don't know that you know that you know you're saved, wouldn't you come to a faithful God and let Him forgive you of your sins? Come into your life. Deliver you from an eternal home in hell and grant to you eternal home in heaven. If you need to be saved today, would you step out? Would you come? I'm convinced we all need rest because we're all living in the age of Saturday.